listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us today, whatever day that you're joining us. We're actually recording this on the last day of May of 2023. And uh, as many of you know, we're located in the great Pacific Northwest, but we've got now listeners in every one of uh, the the U.S. states and 17 countries now. So uh, we're uh, spreading our wings a little bit and we're talking about uh, more and more fisheries and having people chime in and and, uh, uh, enjoying the podcast uh, from wherever they are. So we want to extend our appreciation to everybody that's joining us it's been a real adventure the last four or five years, and we're going to continue delivering uh, to you. This is our 118th, I think, uh, podcast that we have done, and we have a returning guest, and, and he's kind of special to us. Um, the last podcast that we did with him was one of our top podcasts with more listens than uh, you know 90% of all the other uh, uh, podcasts out there. He's a great guest. He has an interesting past. Um, He fishes here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, His company's name is Nomad's Fishing Adventures, and that is uh, headed up by by, uh, Damon Struble. And uh, Damon, I think, is on the line. Hey, Damon, how are you, man? Hey, I'm good, Ted. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good. You and I are uh, kind of sitting in the same part of the world now compared to uh, the first time we did this. I was interviewing we, we you are. From, from from Southeast Asia the last time we did that. But anyway. Oh, except for that time on my on my boat a couple of years ago. Oh, that's, that's well, right. Well, when I got to meet your family. Well, that that's true. That that is true. I and and uh, we really appreciate the the chance to go out and fish kokanee with you. We're going to talk about kokanee today too. Um, but anyway, uh, David, just for those people that uh, you know are maybe new to uh, the podcast or uh, new to the Pacific Northwest, tell us a little about Nomads Fishing Adventures and a little about you. Uh, okay. Well, um, I took up guiding um, eleven years ago. As kind of a retirement job, uh-huh. um, Nomad's Fishing Adventures comes from my first name being used backwards. Nomad is Damon spelled backwards, and that was my <laughs> that was my youngest daughter's idea because because I didn't want to use my name on the side of my truck on the side of my boat and stuff like that because of uh, my prior career being a policeman. Right? Yeah, you know, some people hold grudges. Right. Right. Um, so um, <laughs> anyway. So, but the, yeah, so I, uh, that's kind of the history behind it uh-huh. and, uh, just kind of keeping me busy in retirement out of my wife's hair. Well, good for you. I, you know, I never knew that about, uh, um, Nomad. It, you're right. It is Damon spelled backwards, but you know, if you were, let's say a paramedic, it would uh, be perfect because you could put it on the front of your truck. Right, and people would then say, <laughs> like what they do that's, with ambulances, right? <laughs> now that's funny, but you know, it's uh, it, you know, I really kind of when I first started um, guiding, it was also really appropriate for what I did because just just starting out, I was willing to travel anywhere, do anything to 
meet people and oh, yeah. develop clientele and stuff. I mean, I was doing some crazy traveling, so really? I was pretty nomadic back then, ah. and still am to a certain degree. Sure, sure. Well, you've always said, you know, always always had that uh, um, adventuresome uh, um, uh, streak in you with, with all the things, that, the places you go with your wife and that sort of thing. It looks like you guys have a whole lot of fun and you really enjoy the the outdoors. You know, I'm I'm curious. As a kid, you must have been uh, doing a lot of fishing. Uh, that's where most people will, uh, you know, start their passion for it. Is that what happened with you? Uh, yeah, you know, my dad was a real avid outdoorsman, uh-huh. and uh, um, stuff. When we uh, we grew up just outside of the city limits of the of Corvallis, Oregon. Oh, okay. And uh, we had uh, um, some gravel pits. Yeah. Just, just I mean, a stone's throw away from where our house was. My kid, my brothers, and I used to go and get um, stick poles from the willow tree and tie some line and a hook on them and go and catch buckets full of bluegill and crappie and stuff. And, and then we just kind of graduated and, you know, got more expensive equipment from there. Right, right. And those gravel but, pits uh, still exist, don't they? They do. Yeah. Yep, they do. Yeah, I think I know what they're you're They're still fish about. pretty hard. They don't, I think because of my brothers, they don't don't have the population of fish anymore that they used ah, to. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, very good. <laughs> Well, well, and and that just sort of grew uh, with you over the years, and and you turned the the hobby into uh, uh, you know an occupation. But it, it sure seems like you uh, really like what you do. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. You know, and it's kind of interesting to actually have a job where ha- people are happy to see me for a change. Ah, yeah, so good still point. Haven't, still haven't gotten used to that yet. So. <laughs> well, that's funny. So, so in the Pacific Northwest, there's all sorts of different fishing that can be done out here. And, and we sort of live, I'm saying you and I, because we're sort of in the, the southern Willamette Valley where there's all sorts of different rivers and lakes and reservoirs. And, of course, we got the ocean um, but, um, over the, uh, the, the last few years, you spent a lot of time, uh, fishing the, the, uh, uh, kind of the inshore portion of the Pacific ocean and doing a lot of kokanee fishing. Has that changed at all? No, no, that's kind of still one of my most popular things, you know, except for, uh, you know, uh, certain salmon fisheries, you know, uh-huh. I, I get booked out, I get booked out pretty fast on those, but, um, bottom fishing, I started doing when the spring salmon runs. And summer steelhead runs just really started tanking. Right. I have a really hard I have a really hard time with just taking people out on a fishing trip. Uh huh. And so, uh, and I noticed that you know you know this whole lingcod sea bass thing, and you catch fish all the time. You know, and the in some ways the fish is actually better tasting than than the salmon. And so I started those trips and found out you know to so. I wouldn't take people out on a trip where maybe out of six people, you get one or two fish. Right. You know, I can, I can take four to six people out and we can get everybody almost every day, you know, two lingcod and five sea bass. Wow. I mean, and, that, and that's just, I mean, that's a lot of flaying to do, but it's, uh, it's still, it's fish that people get to take home. Absolutely. And, uh, we're, we're, you know, versus the whole salmon thing, you just never know sometimes because sometimes they just don't cooperate. Right. Right. Well, tell tell the listeners about lingcod. Um, if you're from the West Coast, I'm sure you've heard about it. If you're from the East Coast of the United States, that may be a, a new uh, type of fish. If you're from overseas, they, uh, you know, uh, uh, people probably have never heard of a lingcod, except for in the language of the Zion, 
Lingcod means sit down. And I don't know how that translates over. It's not like Damon and Nomad, but uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, but um, <laughs> it, it, anyway, tell us about about the Lingcod fishery, how big they are, you know, how you fish for them and that sort of thing. So, okay. So I, I think of uh, Lingcod as like the, the wolf of the ocean okay. over here. Uh-huh. Um, they got lots and lots of teeth. I mean, they got teeth going all the way down their throat. Um, kind of once they get a hold of something, they just, they don't let go. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, uh, and they vary in all kinds of sizes. Um, you know, the minimum si- length they have to be is 22 inches. Uh, but you can keep anything bigger than that that you want. Okay. Um, I, I kind of encourage everybody. It's not a mandatory thing, but, um, I encourage everybody if you get something that's up around 40 inches mm-hmm. to, to just let it go. Cause yeah. all those great big fish are the, are all females. Yeah. And, and uh, they produce, you know, a million eggs, you know, every year. And so in order to keep this fishery going with at the uh, stable populations we have, you got to have those big females out there. And even though it's kind of a hard thing to do and some people just can't do it, they just got to take that big fish home because it's the biggest thing they've ever got. Right. Um, it's a, and I understand that and I accommodate that, but it's just good to be able to put those things back in the ocean so they can keep making more of them. Absolutely. And, and they're sort of, they're sort of eel like, aren't they? I mean, they're kind of long and skinny and, uh, um, they, they have different colored, uh, not only uh, skin, but, but, uh, different colored flesh when you fillet them at times. Some of them, yeah. some of them, you know, they, they are a, a long fish, mm-hmm. but, and slender in a way, but um, they also—they just got a big head, right? And just an absolutely massive mouth on them, uh-huh. you know, for their size. Um, and uh, but um, yeah, they're real interesting colored fish. They got skin; they don't have scales. Um, and some of them that eat lots of octopus. Uh, the theory is is that the ink from the octopus gets into the flesh of the fish, and then turns it green. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, so that's the hypothesis with it. Um, but uh, there's nothing clear, you know, that they've de- de- determined science-wise with that. Right. Um, but that, that's the theory. And, uh, but the, it's kind of funny watching, you know, ladies at the fish cleaning station. Oh, my God, is that meat still good? <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll, it'll it, cook it right actually up. turns white. It turns white when you cook it. Right. So right. That, that, that green all goes away. But it's, it's beautiful meat, though. I mean, it's just really interesting to see that kind of turquoise green. Oh yeah. But, uh, but yeah. they're, all, but they're all different. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. The, um, you know, those real big ones I was telling you about those great big females, uh-huh. lots of times you, uh, you get those because you've caught some other fish and sometimes it's other lingcod or it's a sea bass or something like that. And it's thrashing around and carrying on and trying to get away after being hooked. And these bigger fish will come up and just grab a hold of them. And, um, and, and, and because they are such voracious eaters, I mean, they just, they, they just don't let go. Oh, and, really? uh, so, so yeah. So and I always tell everybody that at the start of the day, you know, that, uh, you know, if you're reeling up a fish and then all of a sudden you feel your rod get really super heavy, mm-hmm. don't jerk on it. Don't do anything different. Just real slow. Let me know because the hooks aren't in it because it's just got a hold of the other fish. Right. And, 
And so, and as long as you don't take its head out of the water, it'll continue to just hold on to that fish. And then we just dip a net underneath it. Ah, no and, kidding. And we, and we, and we catch both of them that way. Ah, I was going to say, you got a twofer out of that. That's, that's a great Exactly. Yeah. 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 So a 40 inch yeah. sling cod, what, what does that weigh roughly? 20, 25 pounds. Wow. Wow. That's a big fish, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost four feet long. Yeah. You know, and the world's, world's record, like, uh, uh, I think uh, 140 or something like that up in Alaska. Holy mackerel. Can you imagine? <laughs> that, no, that, I can't. Actually. That, that would swallow a small child. Holy smokes. Yeah. yeah. I'll be, I'll be <clears throat> darned. So, and, yeah. and, and how close to shore are you fishing for lingcod? Well, I actually fish really close to shore for them. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you can see land. Um, it's, uh, you don't have to drop your rigs down very far. You know, at the most I fish is 120 feet, but most of the time it's, you know, um, 50 to 70. Oh, no kidding. That's really shallow. Yeah. yeah. For the Pacific is, Ocean. But, you know, so yeah. They, yeah. So they orient near, you know, structure, you know, they're kind of ambush hunters. Mm-hmm. So they hang out around little rocks and crevices and stuff like that and wait for some unsuspecting, you know, other fish or octopus or something to come by. Right. And then they just go out and grab it. And so uh-huh. they look for, you look for ambush points for them. So reefs are really good for that. Mm-hmm. And, and while you are out there fishing for lingcod, you're also uh, picking up other fish along the way, aren't you? Yeah. Um, you know, we've caught halibut fishing for lingcod. Uh-huh. Um, there's lots, lots of different kinds of sea bass and uh, flounder and sole. And every once in a while you catch a salmon doing mm-hmm. it too. So, cause, mm-hmm. cause I use herring. Right. The fish more. And so it's pretty popular with the salmon crowd carrying us. Sure. No kidding. I'll be darned. And you, you, you fish a lot out of a place called Depot Bay and is now Depot Bay is pretty famous, isn't it? It's famous for being the smallest port on the West coast. Right. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's a whole lot of fun to uh, go see uh, guys running out of the Harbor into the ocean because it's, it's what, maybe 60, 70 yards that you have to run out and then all of a sudden you're in open ocean, aren't you? Yeah. It's a, you know, there's a bridge that goes over it and it's just kind of like this uh, small rocky crevice that's maybe, I don't know, 40, 50 feet wide, but goes for 60, 70 yards. Uh-huh. And there's kind of, there's kind of like a little bend in it. And so you can't see outside mm-hmm. or, or inside. And right. so you, you have to have a radio and then hail the coast guard um, entering and leaving to make sure that, you know, nobody else is committed ahead of you. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I always wondered how they did that, but yeah, you're right. They, they, they probably stationed somebody in, and, and there's sort of an overlook there isn't by the coast guard that uh, can see what's no, going on. Basically, basically, you know, every, everybody it's kind of self-governing in a way. So, um, you know, if you just imagine if you're, uh, coming in, let's say, uh-huh. um, all you do is you just get on your VHF radio to the uh, channel 80, and um, you just announce um, deep, um, inbound Depot Bay, inbound Depot Bay. That's uh, really all you have to say. Okay. And then you just pa- pause and wait. And uh, um, sometimes like another ship uh, or a, a whale watching boat or something like that will jump on and say, you know, um, you know, okay, Captain, I'm already outbound right. or something like that. Please, please stand by. Or the Coast Guard will say, if you're coming in, especially the Coast Guard will get on and just say, the hole is clear. Come on in, Captain. You know, ah, so okay. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of how that works. I'll be darned. 
but that's what that. But that's one of the reasons you're required to have a VHF radio when you come in and out of that port. So. Oh, that makes sense. That 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 makes sense. So when yeah, you get in real big trouble for not having one. Oh yeah, I'll bet you. I'll bet you do. So so, what's a typical day of bottom fishing? What time do you usually go out, or do you kind of wait for tides and and um, you know how far out do you run and and uh, you know what's sort of the protocol for that day, Damon? So um, I normally try and meet everybody close to six thirty in the morning. Uh huh. And um, and if it's during the winter, it's dark then, so we actually adjust our time, but. Um, uh, this time of year, I'm meeting at 6.30, so hopefully we can get everybody talked to in light vests and uh, um, and on our way out by 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I've got a couple, couple places that I really prefer to fish that not too many people know about. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll run straight to them. It's about six miles away, okay. but it's only about a mile, a mile offshore, but it's, you know, six miles up to the north. Right. And... Uh, yeah, and that's kind of where I start fishing. If we see like a school of sea, ba- sea bass feeding on the surface on the way up, we'll stop and um, throw um, little jigs and shrimp flies to them and try and get a limit of them real fast And before we go and do the rest of the lingcod. Otherwise, I focus on getting lingcod first mm-hmm. and uh, and then go work on bass. Ah, very good. And and when you're fishing for lingcod, I mean, it, uh, are you using jigs or bait or uh, what – what are you using for well, that? There's, there's a there's a salmon fishing technique called mooching. Okay. Um, where you have um, a five foot leader, five six foot leader, and with you know two hooks on it, mm-hmm. and a, and a, a herring on those hooks. Ah, okay. And that leader, that leader goes up to a, a three way swivel basically. Uh huh. Um, and then from uh, one of the swivel points, you have like a twenty inches of line that goes down to a weight. And in my case, I, uh, I use the just rebar mm-hmm. for the weight in different lengths because sometimes I need more weight than others. <clears throat> and then um, and then the line runs up to the pole. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and uh, I use the rebar because if I lose it, it's cheap. Right. And I'm not I'm not polluting the ocean with lead. I'm because you know, that steel just rusts away. Right. You know, and it's a pretty short period of time rebar does actually. Uh-huh. So it's my little way of being green about it and cheap at the same time. <laughs> very, very good. And then you just kind of, uh, just kind of, uh, float with the current. Is that right? And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, um, you know, when I, when I get to the, the spots that I want to fish, um, I'll get there and I'll stop and I'll see which way I'm drifting. And, and then, and then, um, I take it on the, I'll finish my drift out there, you know, uh, cause you know, I, I want to drift over the reef and then to the other side of it where it drops off. <clears throat> and then once it flattens out into sand, uh, I don't, there, there's no link out there. Ah, uh, okay. You know, so, uh, so then I, I take and I, I motor back up to the North, let's say, cause I'm drifting South. Mm-hmm. And then I get over to, I get over the reef where it drops off again, deep. And then, um, I stop. And I start drifting again. Got it. And 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 then I just have everybody. I I keep look, watching the depth finder, and I just tell everybody whether it's getting it's getting shallower because sometimes you know those those ledges that create the reef, lots of times just have a really precipitous um, elevation gain or or drop. Mm-hmm. But but the the gain is where you really get in trouble and you get people snagged up, and so. Um, 
you just everybody's kind of got to be really on their game because <clears throat> you may go from um, 108 feet up to 60 feet in just a matter of you know three four yards. No kidding. You know, really? uh, uh, shelf. So, huh? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, so anyway, so uh, you know, when we get to that kind of thing, I just tell everybody, okay, just reel up slowly because you know, once again, that's those places where those lingcod like to like to live ambush is right mm-hmm. on those shelves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a three dimensional world for them down there. Right. You know, and they'll, they hang upside down or sideways or, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. And, and they're always looking. Right. And, um, I've got lots of really big lingcod just because, you know, people were reeling up, you know, instead of, uh, um, you know, starting off besides, you know, on that, on that shelf, you know, um, in, in the 40 foot zone, you know, mm-hmm. having them reel up al- along that face. Right. You know, the lingcod see it coming up, don't want it to get away and just come out and grab it. So, um, but, uh, but you know, doing that, you hang up a lot and you lose a lot of gear, but it's just kind of the price of doing business. Right. right. Not, but, not, um, yeah. But anyway, so, but I, I um, in February every year, I go over to Newport and um, I take friends with me that I don't normally get to fish with much. And we jig up herring that come into the bay to spawn. Oh, okay. And and I and I take about a thousand herring every year out of the bay, and uh, free and freeze them. And that's what I use for uh, my lingcod fishing. No kidding, is, is, really. Is, is, is that is that herring? And because mm-hmm. they're real, they're real big, right? Too. No, they're you know like you know eight ten inches. Okay, that's good size. And so, um, so anyway, so then I with these mooching rigs, I like the ones that um, they call them a slip rig. So. One of the hooks slides, and I'm able to put a bend in the herring, so they're kind of like a banana. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it makes it spin like a crippled or wounded fish. Ah, okay. You know, they're, they're, thereby, you know, kind of giving um, that easy meal right. I, I, idea to the lingcod. Wow. Wow, there's a real technique, and you, obviously you got that, that technique nailed down, man. At, uh, you were telling me that, uh, I mean, you're, you're – uh, the percentage of people that come out and get their uh, limit of lingcod is pretty high off your boat, isn't it? Well, you know, there's, um, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been doing this 11 years. I'm on my 11th year. And there's probably only a handful of days in that time that I haven't got a limit of lingcod. Wow. Good I don't, for you. I don't always, I don't always get a limit of bass, but, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I've had really, really good success on lingcod. But oh. that's because I target them specifically, too. Right. You know, right. the big the big charter boats, you know, they just got little jigs they just throw into schools of bass. And sometimes there's lingcod in there too and they catch them but um but they don't target lingcod specifically like mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Well very good. So how how many hours do you, you take people out? I, I know that sort of varies, doesn't it, by the success rate that you're having during the day, but I mean what's a typical trip? Uh you know, well you know, let's say, you know, you meet at the dock, you head out by seven I'm normally back at the dock no later than one o'clock. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So some, sometimes, I mean, it's, I, I've been back at the dock at 10 before, uh-huh. you know, cause the bite bites just so good. Right. So. Right. Uh, wow. That's amazing, man. That is amazing. Now you were telling me also that you go out of Yaquina, which is down at Newport uh, a little bit too, don't you? I do. Uh-huh. Um, I don't do that a lot. Every, it's really kind of funny, even though there's only 15 miles difference between the two places. 
um, sometimes it'll just be too rough out of Depot Bay. Right. And, and with the end, with that little slot that you got to go through, it, it can just be too gnarly to try and do that. Mm-hmm. Where Newport has a, a dredged um, jetty system. Right. It's, it's, it's deeper and it's just normally got a lot better weather. Well, I'll be darned. And, and just to, to let our listeners know, um, you're not, uh, you, you don't have a great big charter boat. You have uh, uh, a boat that'll what, fish sick people, something like that. And so you can uh, yeah, take it out, so of a, out, of, out of Depot Bay and drop it uh, uh, or trailer it down pretty easily down to Yaquina and you're off and running again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, the typical six pack guide, you know, that's kind of, kind of what I am. Right. We um they get that terminology because we almost always take six passengers. Uh-huh. And so um we uh, the standard boat is for us is anywhere from um 22 to 26 feet, maybe some guys a little bit longer cuz they do tuna. Mm-hmm. Um but um mine's a, mine's a 24 foot, they're an open sled. Um and uh and so, and so subsequently because we are smaller than the big um cattle car you know, charter boats. Right. We have, we have to, uh, we just have to pick really good days. Right. On the ocean. We can't get out there in eight foot seas and stuff and, you know, bounce around all over the place and still be safe. You know, that's the kind of days where I just say, I call everybody and just say, Hey, look, it's unsafe. We're not going, mm-hmm. you know, we can, re- we can reschedule or whatever, or maybe do some other kind of fishing. Right. Right. I was going to ask you how you did that, but, uh, you know, the safety is is the key to this whole thing, isn't it not? No fish worth dying for. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And in in in, in when you get back to the dock, then you'll fillet the fish uh, for people, and they go home with a little bit of a treat from the Pacific Ocean, huh? Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, whether they uh, whether I have one of the uh, ladies in Newport fillet them, or if I fillet them. Um, then, uh, I, if I have them do it, I pay for it. Oh, you do? You know, out of what they, out of what they pay me. Right. You know, that, and that's not the way the char- big charter boats do it. You know, oh, once you pay them, yeah. you still got to go up to the cleaning station and pay their fish cleaning people to, right. uh, to pay you. So I, I take care of that myself with, you know, for these, for my clients. Wow. That's but, um, awesome, man. but you know, I, I always taken, um, but let's, let's say, you know, if we have, um, six people in the boat and we got our limit of ling cod. You know, it's a dozen ling cod. And then if we have a limit of sea bass, that's 30 sea bass. Oh my God. Really? Okay. And then, if, and if you, if you've ever seen those ladies at the fish cleaning stations, yeah. You know, fillet these fish, they are just fast. My God, they're fast. And you know, their fillets are beautiful and clean and, and they're, they're, they're just amazing. Yeah. And, and I do, and I do a good job on those sea bass, mm-hmm. man, but I am, nowhere near fast on them. <laughs> and so if I take and if I get um, a big limit of sea bass like that, I'll, I'll fillet the ling cod. Right. And then, but then I'll take and um, I'll just have one of those ladies um, fillet the, the bass out for me ah. just because, you know, they'll, they'll be done with all 30 of those fish by the time I'm done with the 12 ling cod. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, and, 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 so anyway. and yeah, in regards to, I mean, if you have a limit of, of lingcod and you have a limit of bass, how, you know, how many packages of fish do, does each fisherman get roughly? Well, it's, uh, well, you know, it really depends on how big the lingcod are. Yeah. Good point. You know, so, um, 
I try not to keep anything less than, um, you know, like 25 inches, you know, that's three inches over the legal size. Uh huh. Um, but, uh, and you, and that happens, I'd say most of the time, mm-hmm. but, but every once in a while, you know, you just get into, you know, a, a, a day when only those small ones are biting for some reason, right. you know? And, uh, it's just hard, you know, when you have people that are paying for a trip to take and keep throwing legal size fish back, that's true. Open to take and get something bigger. And, um, and, you know, there have been days I've had where, you know, we do that and then, you know, one or two people maybe don't go home with their limit of link cod. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, uh, I kind of try and evaluate it. You know, I, I keep at least like the first six, Yeah. you know, and then that are, you know, right there around the 22 to 24 inch range. And if, uh, and then, and then I just kind of evaluate it. If we're catching bigger fish in there too. Then I'll throw back. Sure. You know, little small ones. Right. Uh, you know, to, to, to let them grow and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. So, but I, I just want to make sure that everybody gets fish to take home. I mean, cause that's why they're out with me. Ab- so. Absolutely. So let's, let's cross over the mountain a little bit. You also, uh, fish for, um, kokanee quite a bit in some of the reservoirs around here in the Southern Willamette Valley. And it, it, what is it? Uh, Green Peter, where you've been fishing lately? Oh, that's the one. That's the one that uh, I fish kokanee out of. Right, Green Peter. There is one called Detroit Reservoir that's near me, mm-hmm. um, but you have to have a Forest Service permit to guide up there. And there's only three of those permits allotted, and all three of those are taken. So ah. uh, by by guys who've been there a lot longer than me. Right. So um, it's a so I can't guide up there. But so it's just just on uh, Green Peter Reservoir is all I do. Ah, okay. Except for trout I do on Foster Reservoir. Right, right. Yeah, and we, we had the uh, the pleasure of, uh, of fishing with you at Green Peter a couple of years ago, and, and what a beautiful reservoir that is. And, and Yeah. Uh, the fish were is. everywhere. That was, that was amazing. Yeah, it's got a pretty amazing population of, co- of uh, kokanee in it. Yeah, yeah. And and the limit there is, is what, 25? Is that what it is again this year? Yeah, so... Um, since, since you were with me a lot that one day, um, the state's actually changed the regulations slightly. Uh-huh. The limit is still 25, but once you get your limit of 25 kokanee, then you can take your five trout limit and make those kokanee. So technically, you can have 30. Oh, no kidding. Really? Yeah, as long as you don't, as long as you don't have any trout. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, yeah, we caught some trout that day. Not not a whole lot, but uh, but but we had some trout the the day I fished. Hey, when you got when you when you catch a kokanee, who needs trout? Right? Yeah, that's so true. They they are so good eating. For people that don't know what a kokanee is, it's kind of a landlocked uh, what sockeye salmon, isn't it? Yeah, it is a landlocked sockeye salmon. Yeah, uh-huh. and it uh, is the 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 moistest, most mild salmon meat you'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's delicious. My family just absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the fish there weren't, weren't really big in size, but if you got 25 of them, that's a number of meals, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, and um, they're real super easy to prepare, too. Um, a lot of people take them and smoke them, fillet them and smoke them. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and I do that some, but not much. Um, you know, how my wife and I like them is, um, we will take in, um, well, she's got this new cookware called any day cookware. 
Yeah. And um, it's a it's a microwavable glass. And um, all, what we'll do is we'll put the um, well, we can take the cookies straight out of the freezer and put them in a the, one of these uh, dishes and microwave it on a high for eight minutes. Okay. And, and it'll be it'll be cooked through. Really. And, and um, <clears throat> so it's basically kind of poached inside there because uh-huh. there's a lid and you. Uh, there's a lid that keeps pressure in there as well as it uh, just kind of steams the whole thing. Right. You know, it keeps all the steam and stuff inside. And, and so then um, once it's done, you just take it out, um, peel the skin off, flake the meat off the bone. And then um, we just put um, all the meat onto um, like a bed of rice and then uh, drizzle some teriyaki sauce on it. Ooh, that sounds good. It, it is super good. In, well, in eight minutes and you know, and, you know, my wife's Japanese, so we almost mm-hmm. always have rice around, you know, right. in, a, in a rice cooker ready to go. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's dirt simple. Yeah, yeah, sounds like our and house. Yum, and yeah. yummy. Mm, yeah, ab- absolutely. And and they're a red-meated fish, aren't they? I mean, just like a salmon, because they, yep. they are a salmon. Just like a salmon. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. And, and yeah, you so fit, it's a, yeah. You know, it's a, um, you know, they're plankton feeders, those fish are. And so, um, if you're in a lake with kokanee that have more um, phytoplankton, you know, plant-based plankton versus zooplankton, the ones that are like little shrimp, right, and stuff, you know, the the meat won't be as pink uh-huh. with the with the vegetation plankton versus the shrimpier uh-huh. meat-based oh, plankton. Okay. There, that will give you the deeper redder color. I didn't realize there was a distinction between the two. That's interesting. That is interesting. Well, Damon, man, we sure appreciate you sharing all of this with us. How how do people get a hold of you if they would like a, like to book a trip? And and I'll put a little asterisk there. Um, you know, I would imagine that your calendar fills up pretty quick. So if people are planning to uh, come to town to fish with you or come to Oregon to fish with you, they should probably give you a heads up versus just showing up and ask to fish the next day because that probably doesn't happen much in your world, does it? No, not a lot. Um, I mean, it, it does, it does happen, you know, and sometimes I can accommodate people. Sometimes I can't. Right. But if, uh, if, if anybody is coming to Oregon and, you know, from out of state or whatever visiting, and if you, if I can't help you, I will try and find somebody for you. Cause I have, you know, 30 different guides in my phone. Right. And I can just send out a mass text to all those guys and say, Hey, do you have two seats available? Right. You know, for for salmon on this day. Got it. So I, I mean, I'll make I, I will make an effort for anybody to do that because you know, to me, um, because it's just a retirement gig for me. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I'm not making house payments and boat payments and stuff like that with this. You know, so um, it's just all about getting people into fishing. And so um, I will, yeah, I'll I'll find somebody for you. Oh, that's you great, know. Man. It, that is great. So we're going to put into the show notes the your your uh, telephone number and email address and that sort of thing. But but uh, for those people that might be uh, driving around right now or or sitting in their car somewhere and want to write it down, what what's your phone number, Damon? Five four one. Uh huh. Six one nine. Okay. Five six seven one. Very good. And your and your email address, they can reach you there too. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Nomad Fishing. Okay, all, all one word. Oh, very at good. At Comcast.net. Very good. And you fish year round here in Oregon. I mean, we just talked about Kokanee and 
and the fishery off of the, the coast, but uh, you fish the, the two different uh, salmon runs and winter steelhead. You've got a drift boat, I, I under, and uh, I understand all of your boats are cothlers, which are really nice boats, man. Um, and so, you know, if somebody's coming in, doesn't really matter the month, does it? It's just uh, there's probably going to be some fish around somewhere that you can take them to. There's, there's always something you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as long as, you know, the weather hasn't got it messed up in one way or another, it's, that is the one thing about, you know, this part of the world is, is Mother Nature plays some unfair games on us sometimes. Yes, they do. <clears throat> but, um, you know, starting in December, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing um, winter steelhead fishing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I will go into the ocean for lingcod at, and sea bass at any time of year okay. as long as it's safe. Right. Um, but, but anyway, so um, with the um, uh, December to April, is winter is winter steelhead season, mm-hmm. and um, and then from um, April all the way through July, it's kind of like uh, spring salmon and bottom fishing. Okay, and then starting in May, I just start running kokanee trips, just because the weather's better and it's a high lake, right? And it's really really cold up there. Yep. Um, any later, any earlier than May, um, and then. Um, in July is normally when the ocean um, salmon season starts, mm-hmm. and that's one of my real popular things. Um, and so I'm pretty much I don't, I don't I don't venture much away from the ocean during that time, just because right. I'm booked pretty solid most of the time. Um, and then uh, in August, late August or mid August, I should say, um, all the Chinook salmon start moving into the um, estuaries, mm-hmm. getting ready to spawn. And, um, so I will go from the ocean over to Walport Bay, which is, um, the Alsea Bay is right. the name of the river, Alsea, um, and, uh, fish for, um, Chinook in there mm-hmm. until, uh, they move up river and then, um, I'll operate them out, out of the drift boat instead of my big boat and, uh, fish for them all the way to, eh, Early, early November is normally when the fish start getting kind of blackish right? or, or, or bronzy where the meat's not as good. Uh-huh. And so um, I don't fish for them anymore after that because I just, I, once it gets to be that stage, just let them go spawn. Yeah. Just leave them alone. Yeah. Let them go spawn. Yeah, so true. So true. And the Alsea is a beautiful river too. I mean, and, and for those that have not taken advantage of fishing out of a drift boat, uh, that's, that's an experience all in itself. I mean, it's, uh, um, i.e. the name of the drift boat you drift and, and, uh, it's very serene. Is it not? Yeah. I, yeah. It's down a drift boat. It's really nice. Um, the Celeste is actually my favorite one to drift boat just simply because it's got so many waterfalls on it. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but the Alsea is pretty in its own way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a, it's a smaller river. Um, and down in the down in the bay, when I'm using my my 24 foot boat, um, you know we're trolling spinners around for these chinook. Well, the fun thing about that is one, they're chinook, um, and they're they're just bruisers. But um, it's a real shallow bay. You know, most of the bay is no deeper than you know um, eight feet. I didn't and know that. So, really. And so, um, and chinook salmon just really love to just get to the bottom and just dog it out with you. Right. Right. Well, 
it doesn't take them very long to get to the bottom mm-hmm. there. And so you end up with these great big long runs, you know, where they, they'll, they'll run sometimes a hundred, 120 feet. Oh, no kidding. You know, <laughs> before they'll, they'll start turn, turning, you know, and maybe trying some other way to try and throw that hook out. Right. And so it's, it, it's fun and it's exciting and it kind of crazy sometimes because other boats get involved and aren't paying attention, but <laughs> it's a, it, it's fun that way fishing that shallow water. Yeah. And, um, and I've actually had, um, times where we've hooked fish there in just three feet of water and, and you'll actually see them come up and, and hit the lure. No kidding. And <laughs> yeah. And then, and, and that's, that's even worse. That's even better because I mean, you see, the, you see the whole thing happen and, and then you see their backs cutting across the water. Uh-huh. And, and you know they're trying to run and get away. It's a, it, it's a hoot. Oh wow, that sounds like fun, man! Holy smokes! And that's in the fall of the year, right? Yeah, that's that. Uh, you know, uh, if if I'm honest with everybody who's listening, the best time of year to come and fish that particular body of water is September. Oh, okay. So that's when the most fish are in and the brightest shape, right. and your best opportunities are to to limit limit out. Wow. Okay. And that's you, it's what it's, it's been, what, two fish a day or something like that there? Uh, every year is a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, most years it is two fish a day, uh-huh. but it just kind of depends on what, uh, you know, the number of fish that the state is think is going to, uh, right. Uh, come up, come up to spawn. Very good. Well, Damon, I want to thank you again, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and, uh, we'll have to get together for a cup of coffee or something. Uh, as uh, as this year goes uh, goes forward and and catch up again, but uh, anyway, if if people want to give you a call, go to your website, uh, uh, give you a call on the phone, book up you know as soon as you can because I know your your schedule fills up, and uh, I just wish you the best season ever, man. And uh, all right, thank you very much again for coming on the show and tight lines to you. Hey, tight lines to you too. Hopefully, uh, yeah, you'll get your family out there again and stock up on. Fr- fish again we will do that <laughs> sounds good damon you take care man all right man Bye now. good talking to you